This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. In these COVID careful days, this service was held outside. We hope you were able to appreciate the sound of the birds and the dogs, as well as the passing trucks and cars. The message of God's word is still clear and audible. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. We will read verse 1 and then skip down to 9 through 13. Beware of practicing your piety, that is your faith, your religion, before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask for holy manna to be scattered all around that will feed us with a life-giving word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking about heaven today. We have to tell a heaven story. Forrest Gump goes up to the pearly gates. Peter meets him and says, Forrest, before you come into heaven, you've got to answer three questions correctly. One, how many days of the week start with T? Two, how many seconds are there in a year? Three, what is God's first name? So Forrest thought for a while and then said, I believe I'm ready to answer, sir. Peter said, all right, how many days of the week start with with a T? Well, he said, that's easy. Two, today and tomorrow. (laughs) Peter said, hmm, that is not what I was expecting, but you are correct. Okay, how many seconds are there in a year? Well, Sir, said Forrest, there are 12. 12, said Peter. Well, yes, uh, January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. Well, said Peter, that is not what I was expecting either, but again, you are correct. All right, what is God's first name? Well, said, said Forrest, it's Harold. Harold, well, yes, the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> now today, we're only looking at two questions. The question is, who do we pray to? And the second is, where is heaven? Ooh. Who do we pray to? So we saw in Matthew's 6, verse 9, Jesus said, Pray then in this way, our Father. The title Father jumps out at us, doesn't it? Now, who calls God Father except his only Son, Jesus? Now, for those of you who are fathers, imagine that your children decide they're no longer going to call you by that relational title. Instead, they're going to call you just by your first name, Greg, Justin, Matthew. Now, how would you respond? You might say, kids, I am hoping that you do not want me to treat you like I do my acquaintances and colleagues, my friends. You know, they all call me by my first name. And yet, you need me to be your dad, your father. The friends, acquaintances, and colleagues, I would not die for. But I would die for you. Jesus is the only one who rightfully calls God Father, and yet he teaches us that this is how we are to address him as well. And so he gives us his relationship so God is the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives us the relationship that he enjoys with the Father. And he says, call God Father. So we find that this is only Jesus' ability to call God Father, but we call him father because of adoption. That's what we read in Galatians 4. We're adopted into the family. Jim and I lived in Colorado Springs before moving to this area eight years ago. And in Colorado Springs, the church had lots of young families. And several of the families realized that they had more of God's love to share, and they felt called to take trips at different times over a two-year period to Ethiopia to adopt orphans who had no parents and no home. And so we saw as young white siblings began to introduce young black 
siblings into a family, sharing the same parents, the same love, the same benefits as the rest. It was one family. In the same way, Jesus gives us, through adoption, his Father. And he says, you have all the benefits, all the rights, all the love, all the access that I myself have. When Jesus said the word Father, he spoke in Aramaic. And that word for Father in Aramaic is Abba. Abba. I don't know what you call your father, what your children call you, whether it's dad or daddy. I had an opportunity to be an exchange student in Brazil for a summer and was terrible at Portuguese, but I did learn how to say my dad. So I came back to Dallas, Texas, and called my father from then on, Opie, Opie. It was kind of fun as a teenager, Opie. So Jesus says that we're to call God Father. And we saw in Galatians 4, 6, that God sends his spirit into our hearts and we cry, Abba, Father. Nowadays, there are many churches, there are many Christians who refuse to call God Father because they want to replace it with our parent or politically correct, our father and mother God. Now I believe that they're well-intentioned. They want to protect us from any view of gender preference, any gender bias. They want to protect God from us projecting onto God any image of a father that is less than what God is. Now imagine if you had Homer Simpson as your father. Okay, that would be hard to think of God as father. In all seriousness, there are some who have had fathers who caused great fear or harm or emotional wounds. And so the question is, do we change God's title in order to be well-intentioned and protect us and God? Is that the remedy? To remove any father figure from our minds? Or is it what Jesus does? He gives us the remedy of any bad father by finally a good father. It was Aristotle who said that the, the soul cannot think without images. We live in a father-starved culture. Jesus gives us, finally, 
the good father, this relationship that we all long for. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the father. That's the epigraph of your bulletin. Whoever has seen me, you've seen the father. This is what he's like. This is what father's like. I'm accessible. Children, sinners, the world can come to the father. Jesus tells us to pray to our father. Do you realize that the Lord's prayer is the very first creed in all of Christianity? The apostle Peter, when he denied Jesus three times and then was reinstated on the Sea of Galilee, he prayed this prayer. In the first three centuries, when the Christians were persecuted and hunted and they did their worship underneath the city of Rome in the catacombs, they prayed this prayer. This prayer is in every language through all the centuries. It's our prayer. And you think, was it just for, for the church? Well, the church is actually how we become ourselves in, in Christ. It's like if you had a broken leg and you couldn't get any further and you needed others to carry you out, that's what this prayer does. You know the name Eugene Peterson. His son, Eric, established a church just north of Spokane, Washington. And Eric writes in his new book, Letters to a Young Congregation, that there was a time in his life when he could not pray through the Lord's Prayer. You see, his wife had reneged on marriage vows, left him and three young children behind. And when he got to the point in the prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, he couldn't say it. But the church could. And they said it for him. And this is a prayer that others will say for you and that you will say for others. Well, who's included? Well, we know the church. But it's for the world as well. God created the world. The Son has come and died for the sins of the world. The Spirit is seeking those in the world. So we can rest assured that when we pray, we can bring anyone into this prayer. So Jesus says to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. All right, where is heaven? If this is where God is, what is your concept of heaven? What is your image? Is it a location that's far, far away on the edge of the universe? If it is, then you may find that it's very hard to pray because how in the world can you make sure that God is listening? How is it that you can experience the love of God light years away? How 
do you talk to an absentee landlord? In 1961, the Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin was the first human to break through Earth's atmosphere to orbit the Earth. He reportedly said, I see no God up here. Though later published recordings show he did not say that. But let's say that we do have some space traveler who does go up and comes back with the same report. I see no God up here. I do not see heaven. What would you say? C.S. Lewis says that going into space to look for God would be like the character Hamlet going up into the attic to look for Shakespeare. Our granddaughter, Olive, writes short stories and plays. And it would take one of her characters that she writes about the opportunity to meet her, Olive, only if she wrote herself into the story and introduced herself to that character. Do you see that that is exactly what God has done in Jesus Christ? So where is heaven? Heaven is the domain in which God's will is done, in which God reigns. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Are you ready? The very beginning verse of the Bible that opens the gateway. It says, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. Spoiler alert! Every time you read the word heaven in Old Testament or heaven in the New Testament, it's always in the plural. It's always in the plural, in Hebrew and in Greek. That is, that heavens are the only way to express how big this dominion is, how it's so beyond your imagination, how it's everywhere. You can't get to the end of it. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is... What we see, heaven is a spiritual domain in which God's perfect will is done. And we think of heaven as space, as God's space, and earth is our space. But what we find in the Bible is that the two overlap. In the Garden of Eden, that's where they overlapped. God was having perfect will done. It was beautiful, and humans and the created world were with God. After the fall, it separated. But God did not leave us in this state. God gave us, as we talked about last week, that movable home, the tabernacle, where there was a place that God had a location on earth. It was later the temple, the Holy of Holies. Do you know that the tabernacle and the temple were perfectly, perfectly measured so that there was geometrically pleasing? It was with the finest materials earth had. 
It was with beautiful fruits and, and angels and cherubim and, and palm trees, everything that decorated to give the image of this is what heaven on earth is like. Jesus. Jesus in John 2 said, I'm the temple. My body is the temple. You destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. That is what the early Christians discovered. They found that heaven was right with earth when they were in the presence of Jesus, and when the Holy Spirit came, became part of their own life. This is what God has done in giving to us his very life. And so I would say to us that those who put their trust in Jesus, his atoning work on the cross, who welcome him, experience heaven and the eternal, indestructible Zoe life, that's the puppy's name is Zoe, life, and it begins now. It's like Jesus is a door, and it swings open, and you talk to God. And he swings it open, and you have a holy imagination. And you find that there's a resource that's not just man-made, human-made, woman-made. It's, it's a God resource. It's God with us. It's a foretaste of that perfect time. We read about it in Revelation 21 and 22, when heaven, new heaven, and new earth are completely overlapped. And it's us in the throne room. It's us enjoying the garden. It's us having leaves for the healing of nations. So let's recap. Our Father. Jesus gives us his Father through adoption. We receive it as a grace. It means we belong. And it means that we are loved. Our Father means this is a prayer for the church and for the whole world. Art in heaven. In Jesus, heaven has come to be with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. My spirit I give to you. So as a parent comforts a child, I will comfort you. You are in heaven, in Christ. Live, therefore, as children of the light. Now, that gives us the opportunity to move into prayer. And I'm going to ask if, as our response, we would pray the Lord's Prayer and stop after that first phrase so that whatever has been stirring in you, whatever it is that you want to say to your Father who's present right now, you are able to say. And then we will pick up again as I lead us. Would you join me, please, in prayer? Let's say together, and then we'll stop after our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, 
let us continue. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.